morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And today we're going to be talking about the 2002 Japanese horror, or should I say J-horror hit, Juwan the Grudge. The film was written and directed by Takashi Shimizu and stars Megumi Okina, Misaki Ito, Takashi Matsuyama, and Yui Ichikawa. This film is actually the third installment in the Juon series. And I just want to apologize to Abby <laughs> now. It's been a wild ride. Because we just spent, I, I think, about 30 minutes before we pushed record discussing this series. Because there's a lot happening. Yeah. Okay, so let's start here. The first two films were called Juwan the Curse and Juwan the Curse 2. <laughs> and they were direct-to-video productions. Juwan the Grudge was the first of the series to be released in theaters. And in all honesty, it works on its own. Like, mm-hmm. this film could just be on its own. You don't have to watch the other ones. It's fun to watch the other ones, and that's what we were discussing before. We were like, oh, no, because this and this happened in the first one. It This is why this is like this in the, in the third one. So that makes it fun, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> just so you guys know. You can just watch Juwan the Grudge, and you would be fine. Mm-hmm. So, But I do suggest checking them out, because they're fun um i also think it's a good idea to watch the american remakes as well because there are a there's a lot of easter eggs and there's a lot of like japanese lore that's in the american remakes as well of course the originals and they all kind of connect and actually the first juan and the third juan are what is done in the american remake so they're kind of like a mix in that one anyway they're fun, but you can just watch Juwan the Grudge. It's okay. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so Takashi Shimazu attended the film school at Tokyo and studied under the director Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who was a well-known director of J-horrors. Uh, the film that he did that most of our listeners might recognize, at least this was the one that I recognized, was the movie Pulse. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he directed the original Japanese pulse okay kurosawa helped shimazu bring his creation of juan to the big screen uh shimazu claimed that the idea for juan came from his fears as a child he saw a japanese dance group perform buto which if you haven't seen it performed live or on youtube it is a very strange performance yeah it is when performing buto dancers bodies are painted white and their movements are rigid and distressing this yes. <laughs> very distressing this really seemed to scare shimizu when he was a kid and it just stuck to with him up until adulthood the look and the movements of the onryo in juan are based on buto shimizu was also inspired by the growing number of domestic abuse cases in japan at the time as we both know normally horror movies reflect the horrors that are happening currently in real life mm-hmm. The film was a hit in Japan, but in the USA, it received average to mixed reviews during its limited release in theaters. The Washington Post stated, It isn't particularly scary. It's much harder on you than mere fright. 
it's creepy and it lacks any interest in conventional narrative and doesn't bother (laughs) with a hero or heroine or with any sense of coherence of any mechanism of a solution (laughs) of its mystery. With that said, Abby, could you please remind us all of the plot? Oh, yeah, sure. So this plot is a little bit wild. There's a lot of layers to it. So so stick with me through this. <laughs> you got this, girl. Um, okay, so Juan actually is the curse of a vengeful spirit, which Gracie was mentioning earlier. Those are also called onryos in yeah. Japanese culture. Um, and we see that a lot happening in Asian horror films like The Ring and also the Korean film A Tale of Two Sisters, which we have also talked about before. But the curse basically stays in the place where a terrible or tragic death has happened, usually like in a fit of rage. So there is a lot of anger and it's like really emotionally driven. Um, in this case, the Zhuan comes in the form of Kayako, a woman who was brutally murdered by her husband because he thinks that she's fallen in love with another man. And it also appears as Toshio, their young son. After the murders occur, another family moves into the house where the murders happened. Mm-hmm. They are called the Takunagas. Um, and it's a family of a husband and wife and their mother. Mm-hmm. So they are Katsuya who is the husband. Yes. And Kazumi, who is the wife. And Sashi is the mother. And because of the way the story is told, it kind of jumps around from person to person. Yeah, so this this is a non-linear movie. Yes. <laughs> quite, quite. The opening sequence is the murder that happens, that causes this whole thing. And then um, the next sequence is Rika's story. So we're introduced to her, and she's the social worker that comes to help the Takanagas take care of Sachi, the elderly woman. Yes, because her original caretaker disappeared. Mm-hmm. So during Rika's first day there, she's like cleaning up the house and stuff because the house is always a mess. And she sees Toshio, or the ghost of Toshio. The little boy, yeah. Yeah, it's not really made clear, because sometimes you see him as ghost Toshio, and sometimes he just appears like a normal boy, minus like all of the cuts and bruises and stuff, because, you know, murder. So the thing about this particular curse, though, is that whoever comes in contact with the Juan is then cursed. So they're either stalked, or like haunted for a little while, but they always end up dead, pretty much. Yeah, nobody lives. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Everybody dies. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty bleak. Um, <laughs> so Rika kind of runs away or like flees. You don't. It's not really made clear until about the middle of the movie when you see her again. So that happens. And a few um, scenes later, we see that Katsuya is on his way to work and his wife is saying goodbye to him and she's like oh don't forget your sister is coming over tonight blah 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 be home early so Katsuya goes to work and in that time that he's at work Kazumi sees the Juan she sees Toshio she sees yeah and she appears to be kind of strangled yeah, she's showing signs of what happened to Kayako, which yeah. Kayako was strangled to death yeah. is what we assume. So she's having trouble breathing. Yeah, pretty much. And she just dies. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. so Katsuya walks in from work and she's laying up in their bedroom dead. Then you see 
Katsuya kind of take on this it's very creepy like everything goes dark and you can tell that he's being possessed by the the Juan so his sister ends up showing up to the house and he throws her out of the house and he's like this is not a good time kind of thing Hitomi his sister goes on her way and she goes back to work and Kazumi and Katsuya end up dying because of the Juan then we cut to Hitomi's sequence the sister yes um, and she is stalked by the spirit throughout her workplace. Yeah. Juan ends up killing one of the security guards there at her work and um, then follows her back to her apartment. And she kind of climbs into bed because all this creepy stuff is happening. And then <laughs> Kayako kind of just like creeps up under the blankets in her oh. bed. And it's so nasty. It's just so gross. And of course, you hear the like uh, thing. That's called the death rattle, by the way. Oh my god! I didn't realize that what? was the name. Yeah, that's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> death rattle. Gross. So that actually, I learned too, comes from it's because of the way that she was murdered. Because she windpipe yes. was crushed. Um. Yeah. Oh. I was mm. like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Love it. Yeah. Um, so really gross. Um, <laughs> so then after poor Hitomi is killed, we cut back to Arika. She's in the hospital. Yes. And there are a couple detectives working on the case trying to figure out what happened to the Takanagas. So they, you know, go and visit her in the hospital and she is traumatized from what happened to yeah. her in the house. So we follow these two detectives who end up talking to another man. <laughs> another character is introduced yep. named uh, Toyama. And he's with his daughter and his daughter's playing in the sand and she's really little. She's like six or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Izumi. Yep. And she'll pop up later also as another yes, character. Yes, she will. So Toyama actually investigated the murder of Kayako and Toshio. It seems like he was a, a very traumatized from it, so he kind of like took a break. But he is approached by these other detectives who are now trying to solve this current murder case of what's going on. Because it happened in the same house. Yes. And that's why they want to talk to them. Yes, yes. Toyama also has this vision of Izumi in the f- that takes place in the future. Izumi has grown up and she's a teenager, and he sees her walking out of the house where the murders happened because he comes in and he like tries to burn the house he wants, down yes, yep. because he doesn't want bad things to continue happening. So he sees her walk out of the house and on that same day, Izumi is there with three of her classmates because they're kind of exploring the house just to see what's yeah, going on. In his vision, he sees... Oh my God, it's so confusing. It in is, his vision, crazy. he sees his daughter as a, as a teenager with her friends and her friends stay put and then she leaves and then he sees her friends get murdered by Kayako Mm -hmm. and then it becomes present time with him and then Kayako chases him down the staircase and chases him out of the house yes and then it's the future yes and then we're brought to Izumi during that time like right after she had left the house. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Oh my God, it's Con- wild. Continue. Yes. So we're <laughs> cut to Izumi and she is so traumatized that she hides in her bedroom and she doesn't want to come out because she knows that Juan is coming to get her. Yeah. She has like this weird premonition type thing. So she tells two of her other classmates that 
you know, something is coming for her. And they're like, what do you have, ESP or something? She, like, throws a fit and, like, throws him out of the house. So she ends up also being killed by the spirit. And she has these visions of her father because her father is also killed by the spirit. So He eventually did die from it, yeah, because he was in the house. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see his demise, but we know it's because he was in that house. You're pretty much safe to assume that he's dead. Oh, yeah, he's definitely dead. But, like, we don't see it happen. We don't see him die. Right. We just right. see her interacting with his spirit. And she's like, oh, my God, Dad. Well, in Azumi's case, the Juan appears as her three classmates who were killed in the house. Yeah, so they... So that's a little bit different. Yeah, so what we learn from that is that when you are killed by the grudge curse, which is what Juan translates to, mm-hmm. um, or curse grudge, or vice versa, sorry. It's curse cur- grudge. Curse grudge. <laughs> When you're killed by the curse crunch, you become a part of it and then you can and then in turn haunt the people who have killed you, mm-hmm. which Azumi technically left her friends yeah. alone and so that she left them to die. Oh my god. Yeah. So okay, so then after Azumi dies. So in the last sequence <laughs> we see Rika years later, I think, is like the timeline of things. Yeah, so it's, she's, it might not be years, but it's definitely a while after everything has happened. To with her, her. With the Takanagas. Yes. Okay. So she seems to be doing okay. She's taking care of the elderly in like this facility and stuff like that. And we see her friend Mariko, mm-hmm. who was with her before when she was in the hospital and she talked to the detectives and all that stuff. Right, yeah. Mariko is a school teacher. And over dinner one night, she explains to... Rika, that there's a child in her class that hasn't showed up, you know, and she can't get a hold of the parents or anything like that. But it turns out that the child is Toshio or something like that. Yeah, because we just (laughs) talked. This is another thing we discussed while we were kind of rehearsing because I was so certain that that couldn't have been Toshio because Toshio had died a long time ago. And then Abby very correctly pointed out, well, but that's why Mariko eventually goes to that house. Mm-hmm. And that's- she goes to check on, the, I guess, the family and make sure everything is okay. And she finds Toshio there. So Toshio has just been freaking like going to school as a ghost, <laughs> I guess, and tricking people into coming to the house for his mom to kill. Yeah. And his dad to kill. But if that's the case, then isn't everybody at the school also cursed? If he's been showing... But no, if he's been showing himself to them, they're fine. But if they go to that house, they're not fine. Oh, okay. It's the house. See, the house is key. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rika, you know, calls Mariko and she asks what she's doing. And Mariko says, oh, I'm here at the house of the boy who hasn't been showing up to school. And Rika is like, oh, my God, like, you need to get out of there kind of thing. So she rushes to the house to try and save Mariko. But she's too late. And mm-hmm. Mariko is being dragged up to the attic by Kayako. Mm-hmm. And in that final scene, Rika kind of sees everything. And she sees who Kayako is and, you know, like what happened there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this really creepy scene of Kayako like crawling down the stairs. And we find out 
in that sequence that like that's how she's murdered and that's what happened right. during the murder. So she's kind of just repeating what happened over and over again. Right. Because like you said, it's where all of the bad energy of the spirit and the murder has gathered. Right. Because if you watch the first movie, <laughs> you find out that Toshio watches her fa- his father kill his mother, Kayako, at the bottom of the stairs. She tries to get away by crawling down the stairs mm-hmm. from him and then she's murdered at the bottom of the stairs. Right. So that's why it almost yeah. in every film that the house is in, that's why that scene happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Like that's why Kayako is constantly crawling down the stairs because that is the and the bad energy like where that took place. Like that's where she died. Right. So she finds out who Kayako is and then Kayako's husband appears as well yeah. in the form of a ghost and he kills Rika at the bottom of the stairs and she's dead yeah so that was a 18 minute (laughs) holy crap yeah so let's breeze on through this episode (laughs) now that we all understand (laughs) sorry guys okay so uh Bechtel test yes this freaking movie passes a plus 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 because most of the women in this movie either don't have boyfriends to talk about which Mm -hmm. is pretty great Mm -hmm. or they have careers and they just sit around and talk about their careers and that just makes me really excited so shimazu thank you so much for making a film where women are represented pretty well yeah heck yeah and for 2002 too yeah it's it passes with flying colors it's very Mm -hmm. exciting so i am pretty much grudged out because i watched (laughs) all of these films basically not all of them not all 12 but I watched a lot of them um I wanted to because Shimizu directed most of them mm-hmm. he directed the first four as well as the grudge remake and I wanted to at least watch the first three in the remake because I don't know I just thought I would so there is something that this is something I mentioned to you earlier that the I think the listeners would be really interested in there is a scene in the third grudge the one that we're watching, uh, Juan the Grudge. And uh, the four friends who are the Azumi's friends, um, the scene where the dad is having her, the vision of his daughter as a teenager in the house, the girls go into this room and that's the room where we find out that a lot of the bad stuff happened. Mm-hmm. They find a bottle of sake and they're in the background. You, he hears them talking about it and how he... Uh, they drink from it and the sake is really bad. And they're like, oh, this can't be sake. It tastes awful. What we learn is that sake, or what I learned, is that when a house is haunted, you put sake into one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. And if the sake tastes bad, the house is definitely haunted. Hmm. And if you remove the sake from the house and it tastes good, oh, yeah, okay, it's def- yeah, it's haunted. Burn it down. <laughs> So that's so, that mother down. So that's why when they taste it, I'm like, ooh, it tastes bad. It's because the house is freaking haunted and they needed to get the F out of there. So that can really ruin a party. It can really ruin a party. If you guys are at a party and your sake that you just bought tastes horrible, mm. Pro tip from us. Get the heck out of there. Yeah. Get out, get out. <laughs> it's it's not good. So just like how okay, so hatred and like evil that in itself spreads like wildfire, mm-hmm. right? When so many people in a situation are just so full of hate and anger and sadness, they're all cursed to be that way. 
right? Mm -hmm. And that's basically the curse is that it just spreads to everybody like a disease and everyone dies from it basically. And this is, this is interesting. There's no cure. And like we, yeah, like the even heck. Yes. Like you talked about in the plot summary, everyone in this movie dies. Mm -hmm. There's no hero. There really isn't. The house itself is basically the hero. The house wins in every episode. And this is where this film can get kind of repetitive. And this is where the sequels and the prequels get really repetitive is because Mm -hmm. there's no cure. You cannot expect anyone to live. They're all going to die. Right. So that kind of takes the fun out of it. You don't really know who's going to live or who's not. Yeah. Um, well, at that point, you're just watching it to see how people die. And it's like, I yeah, don't you're know wa- if I really want to see that. It's like, like Final <laughs> Destination. Yeah. You just yeah. know everyone's going to die. And you're yeah. just like, all right, how's it going to happen? <laughs> but yeah, so story-wise, that gets old super fast. And you're just, you're left feeling hopeless. <laughs> Oh, there's no hope. This is not a feel good. Yeah, I think eventually I didn't see any of the later ones, but I I guess they do break the curse eventually. It doesn't have something to do with Kayako's sister. Oh, my God. That's the wrong question to ask me because I have no freaking clue. Oh, no. I'm sure it is. No. (laughs) It does get broken eventually, Um, even after the house burns down because the house does eventually burn down. But because that curse can follow you. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like the ring. Like Yes, it's exactly like seriously, the ring. Seriously, like there's no hope. There's no hope. You it's like it's a disease that follows you. Poor everywhere. people <laughs> with your hopeless curses. <laughs> okay, so nonlinear timeline. I know that was your favorite thing about this film. Oh, so fun. Poor Abby. <laughs> so this is why I like non-linear timelines. And if you've ever seen the TV show Westworld on HBO, I won't spoil anything, but there is a non-linear timeline in that. And that was a pretty great uh, use of it if you've seen Westworld. This one, I think, does a good job, too, because it makes you watch it. And, I mean, we have a discussion about it. Mm-hmm. And it makes us talk about it. And yeah. it makes us not forget the film. It's it's an unforgettable film, I think, just because of the nonlinear timeline. And yeah. you're constantly discussing, like, when things happened and why they're happening. And that's why I really like it. Mm-hmm. So the house. Abby, what did you think about the house that was used in the film? I definitely didn't like it. Yeah, let me t- let's hear about it. It well, I know that like those particular houses have to be kind of small because they're in Tokyo, I believe. They are so they're in like, like a suburb of Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, it's like a huge city, so you have to pack as many people as you can mm-hmm. in there. But the house is sharp, if yes. that makes sense. Like there's, <laughs> I pictured because of how klutzy I am, like falling down those stairs and being like, there's no way that I would come out of that without like injuring myself fatally. Listen, you would actually, if you had died from falling down the stairs, you would have a grudge because you would be mad I, at it's the stairs. true. And then my curse would be that like everyone has to stub their toe yeah. on the stairs oh. going upstairs. Yep. On, on, yep. And break their pinky toes constantly. <laughs> But aside from that, it's it's interesting because, like, the bedrooms are upstairs and yeah. there's this, like, weird – it's not even really a hallway, but, like, you come to the top of the stairs and there's, like, this little section There's, there like, a space where that, there's nothing. Yeah, you could yeah. fit, like, a 
chair or like a table there, mm-hmm. a small table. Then it like leads into a closet which also leads into the attic yeah. it's so weird it it's like a puzzle yes it's crazy absolutely it yeah. is like a puzzle it freaks me out yeah i don't like it this is actually my second favorite haunted house second to the amityville house because it upsets me mm-hmm. so much the this like exactly what you said that style of that house is so like unnerving and it's so funny because i was watching this um review of the of the juan movies and the guy was like and the guy was japanese i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. and he said that oh it's like any other house in tokyo for us as americans we're not used to this architecture yeah so for me i look at it and i think this is so unnerving like the way that the stairs are and like the way that the house like the weird window um where kayako like looks through that window and there's what are you looking at like it's so weird and but did you notice that doesn't make any sense no because there's that's where the closet uh, is yeah at the at the top of the stairs, there's that little area that we talk I'm about that cry. Yeah, because I'm so, I'm so scared right now. <laughs> so I wonder if it's actually meant to be like he's looking through the wall, like it's cut out, yes. but there's like the studs there, oh my God. like the support beams that hold up the wall. But he's like meant to look through the wall because he's a ghost, right? Uh, yeah, there's like there's nothing there in that space. Listen, that scares me because that reminds me of The Shining and Mm. how nothing makes sense in that hotel. Yes. It's the same exact thing. Do you know what else it kind of reminds me of? In like old trailers and like double wides that were built in like the 80s and 90s, they'll have like those white walls and then like the really chintzy like thin like wood paneling yeah, that you put our, up. The trail when me and my family lived in a trailer. It was yes, like that. that's what it reminds me of. And it always makes me think of like scary movies from the seventies where people get kidnapped and like held prisoner in those kinds of houses. Yeah. That's what it makes me think it of. It does. It looks like it's cheaply made. Yeah. And that for some reason is frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. So Yikes. weird though. Yeah. Creepy. Okay. So I think we can agree that the house itself is a character. Yeah. Just, just like the Amityville house is basically mm-hmm. a character in the Amityville stories. Like, that is what this house is. The house on Nurima, I think is the name of the yeah. suburb. Because yep. this house appears in most of the films, I think. So, mm. at least it, it appears in the first three. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about the characters. So, like we said earlier, like, freaking all these women are freaking awesome. It's even Kayako, who's the unreal, you know, like it, there is so much female representation in this film. Mm-hmm. It makes my heart flutter. <laughs> my heart flutters and flies away. Oh, it's so great. What did you think of the characters in this film? I liked them for the most part. Uh, I really like Rika. Rika's the best, yeah. She really is. And Rika's friend Mariko, just because she, you know, she seems like she's got it together. And she cared enough about her student to, like, go and find him. So that's pretty awesome. Like we had said earlier, like, the representation of them, like, they're hardworking women. Most of the women in this aren't married or have boyfriends. I think Kazumi is the only one that's Um, married. 
I think Mariko is married. And then Mariko? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then like Hitomi, Rika, like Izumi, who's a teenager, like none of them seem to have any sort of like male interests at all. Like they have like other things that they're worried about. And I don't know. I just thought that was really, you know, even though I have a husband, it was like more, is like actually more relatable because it's like that to me just shows that like the different stages of your life Mm -hmm. are definitely they're represented in this film because you're not your whole life doesn't revolve around a man right like there are different parts of your life there that are like revolve around like your friends and your family and your career Mm -hmm. and they really show that in this yeah so even though they all die (laughs) (laughs) yeah true they all die horrible cursed deaths but at least they had like a job and they were paying for their own stuff well the only other like really the only complaint that i have in regards to that is like in the beginning of the movie when Rika's coworker is like, oh, here, you're going to take this case and I'll buy you dinner. And she's like, N- you don't have to do that. Like, yeah, but she's not like, I'm really not comfortable doing this. Like, you need to give this to somebody else. She just kind of she's like, oh, OK, she's like, kind of passive about it. And does yeah, it. yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. <laughs> but then there would be no story. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's sort of like playing improv. You have to say yes and. And like Rico said yes and I'll go today kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's discuss the ghosts. Let's talk about Kayako Toshio uh, and his cat, Mar. Oh my his God. cat gets killed too. And Takio um, Sayaki. That's the cursed family that comes back and just destroys everyone who enters their house. <laughs> When I watched the remake, Kayako, Toshio, and Takio all looked like the people from the original. And I thought, this has got to be. Because it's like, I couldn't tell because they were wearing makeup. Because as when they were ghosts. And I thought, that kid that's playing Toshio, that is definitely the same kid. He's just a little bit older. And it is. They, the same people who play the ghosts in the in the original oh ones, God. play it in the remake. Yep. That makes sense, though, because I feel like this movie is a lot older than it is. But, like, you have to remember it came out in 2002. And then the new one was 2004. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's only two years. So, yeah. yeah. <gasps> that's wild. Yeah. So, it's the same characters. Same Toshio, same Kayako, same Takio. Probably not the same cat. But. <laughs> oh, P.S. <laughs> what? There's a scene where Rika wakes up from a dream and she's like surrounded by black cats yes and there are like four or five like stuffed cats (laughs) that they try to pass off as real ones they're like literal stuffed animal cats like that your little baby sister would have or something like it's wild i'm sitting there staring and i'm like this is definitely not a real cat. Honey. I didn't, I honestly missed that. I didn't notice that. Well, because they have a couple real ones they that do, are like yeah. wiggling around, but I was like, oh. That's hilarious at me. Oh my <laughs> but speaking of Mar, um, t- every time Toshio appeared and would make like the cat noise, yeah, I never expected it either. So it would always scare the crap out of me. The cat noise Yes. Yeah, because it's like, like a really mean, terrible sound. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I guess when you're a cat and you get thrown up against a wall, then, you know. 
So that's interesting because Toshio takes on the attributes of his cat. Yeah. Probably because they're killed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and the cat definitely suffered. I mean, that poor yeah. thing. Yeah. I know. That was very sad. That was hard to watch. Listen, when animals die. It's uh, so much worse. It's so, it's worse because I think as, listen, let's talk about this. I think that <laughs> as a society that is used to people living for a long time, people not as often dying from disease Mm -hmm. we're kind of conditioned to have like the not all of us of course but i think in society a lot of us really deal with our animals dying before we deal with a human death in our life oh yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why it's really hard for us to watch animals being killed one reason there's Mm -hmm. probably many but that's what i think well and they're so innocent you know like yeah they're innocent yeah they can't wasn't hurting anybody yeah poor guy just wanted tuna (laughs) delicious okay so let's end this episode with in a very dreary way (laughs) besides cat death oh god so domestic violence so domestic violence is pretty prominent in the amityville movies and in the shining which are also both haunted house type movies Mm -hmm. they mostly have to do with haunted places where horrible things have occurred. But we learn in Juan that the curse can leave the house and follow you wherever you go, even mm-hmm. though it's very prominent in the house. Like going into that house, you are cursed and then you leave and then it still haunts you as you continue on with your life mm-hmm. outside of the house. Where like Amityville and The Shining, if you leave, it's fine. But Not Ju- if you're Lorraine Warren. That's true. <laughs> but... In Juan, if you leave, you're still doomed. Yeah. So what do you think that has to do with, like, domestic violence as a theme in haunted house movies? Like, why do you think domestic violence is something that is prominent in haunted house movies? Because of the emotion that's behind it and that kind of, like, heaviness just kind of lingers there. And I think once you encounter something like that for yourself or... Like in Hitomi's case, she came to see what was going on and her brother just kind of like rushed her out the door and she was like, well, like really shaken up about it. And, you know, she calls to check in and see how like her mom is doing and how like Kazumi is doing and stuff. So I think it's that thing where like it's such a heavy burden for everyone involved that it just follows you wherever you go. And it's always in the back of your mind and sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, like, could I have done something to prevent it? Even if you're not like in the throes of it and the one who is the abuse victim or the perpetrator, if you're involved in any way, like that's something that's going to stick with you. And if you're, you know, looking at it from a spiritual perspective, if you are that kind of person who believes in that kind of stuff, I think that it's incredibly damaging to your psyche to have to go through that. And even if you're not a spiritual person, like it messes with you and it's terrible. So yeah, I agree. I, you know, to me, your home is supposed to be your safe place. Yeah, exactly. And when that safe place has been destroyed, it's done. It's done for. Like, yeah. Houses are like batteries. And we I th- we think we talked about this in a previous episode, but like mm-hmm. house homes are like a battery and like 
all of the energy that you have put into it is going to is going to be what sits there and if you have very good positive family energy then that's what the house is going to feel like it's going to be warm it's going to be cozy it's going to be soft mm-hmm. and if there's some any type of danger or vengefulness you know uh grudges right mm-hmm. it's going to show up because the house is going to like absorb that energy and that's what's going to be there. I mean, that kind of goes around with the freaking, um, like the way that the house is built. Like we can argue that even Amityville, like the eyes of the house are very evil looking and the shining. There's a lot of twists and turns and edges that don't make sense. The house in, uh, Juan is the same way. Mm -hmm. Even in the architecture kind of shows like the, the bad stuff that's happened there. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. Well, thank you, Abby. Thanks, Gracie. That was fun. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We will be back <laughs> next next time. Yes. And we're going to be talking about one of Abby's favorites. Yeah. And here's a title clue. You're going to laugh. Here's a clue. Place of many dead residents. <laughs> That's the title clue. Oh, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> not that hard sorry about that i had to come up with it on the spot it's okay i'm proud of you thanks so guys we will see you next week have a great morning bye